and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 428. That is right. Tonight, we are talking about the dawn of a new era for DC Comics. How long this era will last, that is anybody's guess. But it all starts here with Infinite Frontier number zero. Three years. Over and under. <laughs> three years. <laughs> how, long, how, how long did Rebirth last? Like three or four? I want to say four or five. Time right. moves faster than I thought it did. Well, yeah, it. it well, yeah, you're, yes, you're at the age where time, your your time is going to keep speeding up ever so quickly. Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to remember exactly. Let's see. So, re- rebirth. Rebirth started when when we were getting Hal Jordan the core. Yeah. And Hal Jordan the core lasted five. Well, it lasted four years worth of issues, but it was a weekly. It was a bi a bi month a bi weekly book, so that does not so uh depends when I guess when also when you officially shovel the dirt on rebirth. Maybe maybe that was at the final end of the doomsday clock debacle. <laughs> but nonetheless, yes, that was the that that was the last restart after the new fifty two after dot dot dot. All right. So we've got some Justice League, Batman, Wonder Woman, Wonder Girl, Green Lantern, Alan Scott, Teen Titans Academy, Superman, Green Arrow, Black Canary, Star Girl, Green Lanterns, Flash, and then an epilogue to get through. This thing is written by Joshua Williamson with James Tinian and Scott Snyder, and the framing story art by John Timms, color by Alex Sinclair. Then we have the individual breakdowns. Uh, Justice League, uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by David Marquez, Batman by Tinian, and art by Jorge Jimenez, Wonder Woman by Becky Cloonan and Michael Conrad, art by Aletha Martinez and Mark Morales, Wonder Girl written by Joel Jones with color by Jordi Belair, Green Lantern Alan Scott by Tinian, art and color by Stephanie uh, by Byrne, Teen Titans Academy, written by Tim Sheridan, art by Rafa Sandoval and Jordi Tarragona, Superman by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Jamal Eigel, Green Arrow and Black Canary, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Alex Malev, or Malev, Stargirl by Jeff Johns, art by Todd Na- Nauk, Na- whatever. Green Nauk Lantern in the by- North. <laughs> Green Lantern is written by Jeffrey Thorne, with art by Dexter Soy, The Flash by Joshua Williamson, art by Howard Porter, and the epilogue by Joshua Williamson, art by John Romita Jr. and Klaus Jansen. Uh, lots of other credits in here, uh, and I want to get to them all, but this is quite a big book. Um, but we, get, we got the writers, we got the artists. Uh, apologies to the colorists, letters, and editors. Um, you know who you are. <laughs> I mean, I, I think they're underrated in, in what no, their, I agree with their you professions. But, all right. Things will never be the way they were before. We survived, and our reality has been changed forever. 
Our new destiny is written in the book of Oa, and you believe she is the one? Her love and mercy save the multiverse. If not Wonder Woman, then who? And we open up upon, let's call her Cosmic Wonder Woman. Cosmic Wonder Woman is floating through the infinitude, uh, and she's not understanding what she's saying. She's being told that she is on a journey to something more, to become more than herself and more than what she was. And she is introduced to the quintessence. And the quintessence, for those of you playing along at home, consists of High Father, Hera, Ganthet, the Phantom Stranger, and I believe that's uh, the Wizard. Um, if I remember the quintet, my quintessence right. Um, but it was, it was originally he was originally one of the five. Yeah, that still looks like him, but who knows? Um, regardless, um, the quintessence tells her that essentially her job is now to become a a member of the quintessence to, to join them and, uh, help watch over all of creation and all of light and everything. Uh, Diana talks about a, uh, looming threat, a great cost for restarting the multiverse that she was warned about uh, in terms of the end of death metal. Spectre agrees to play uh, guide because the quintessence has detected no such threat. Um, So they wander together unseen, which you would think the phantom stranger would be better for this, but whatever. Um, Regardless, we start with Superman uh, who uh, I believe it doesn't say, yeah, it doesn't say. Uh, I, I think this might be Kondok. Could be. Could just be generally speaking. Um, there is a sort of fire monster meta villain. Could be a demon, whatever. Uh, they're saying that Shazadam has saved the, the the locals are saying Shazadam has saved uh, them from this this fire god. Uh, Superman misunderstands and keeps repeating back Shazam. And they say, they say, no, she's Adam. He has been protecting us all and show their cell phone footage of black Adam, uh, fighting this monster and then flying away. Flash finally arrives on the scene and remarks how fast Superman got there. Uh, and he says, uh, I didn't do anything. This was black Adam. Um, maybe this is who he wants to be now. Flash as you think about that, that about everyone. And he says, I, Superman says, I hope that about everyone and one of the locals say, well, you never know about some people. And Superman says, yes, my mother says that all the time. And then we flash to Gotham City. Now, how do you want me to do you want me to do all of the Gotham City story? Or no, we'll it? just go page by page. So you want me to split it up? Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. So we switch to Gotham City at Arkham Asylum where uh, Mahoney. Do, are we supposed to know who Mahoney is? I don't read Batman. Are we supposed I, don't, to know? I don't think so. But either way, he's a guard at, at Arkham. He's doing the rounds. He finds Bane supposedly, which is if he's if this was accurate, this is a really crappy way to do away with a major character, even if even though we know no one ever stays dead. But Bane apparently has been basically jokerized to death with some Joker gas, and all of all of Arkham is pretty much under siege from from the, from the Joker. You have Oracle, you have uh, Babs there back on back on duty, and she's she's a kind of observing, observing, excuse me, all this. I'm not sure what the deal is with Grifter. Grifter means nothing to me. But basically the whole point is God, Arkham is under attack from the from at, um, everybody believes from the Joker, even though it seems to be not the Joker's MO because the Joker was just around not too long ago. He doesn't usually come back that quickly. So basically they're trying to figure out how to deal with it. And, and we see Batman basically chimes in that he's on his way to go to Arkham to investigate. But the reason why the story gets split is because Wonder Woman's 
her heart is pulling her somewhere else, as the Spectre points out. And basically we end up, her heart is pulling her towards her mother on Paradise Island, who is mourning for her since everybody believes Wonder Woman is is dead. We see the other Amazonians are basically beating the hell out of each other, trying to compete and prove that they are the ones who are worthy enough to, to succeed Diana. They get confronted by, you know, by Wonder Woman's mother, who more or less you know, tells them to cut it out, and and if it, and she face she gives them a challenge. She brings out a, a a chest and says, basically, inside of here is the is the head of Medusa, and only you know only the champion whose head is not clouded and whose will is strong and everything else, only they could open this and not turn to stone. And pretty much all the other brave Amazonians who were so real quick to beat the hell out of each other to try to be Wonder Woman when faced with this challenge, pretty much one after the other, they all they all kind of like head for the door, except for Nubia. Nubia steps up to the plate and she op- she opens the chest to find out that, of course, it wasn't uh, Medusa's head in there all along. It was just a golden crown that the next, quote unquote, Wonder Woman was was destined to uh, going to wear. So she basically, Nubia just proves what everybody kind of knew all along deep down, that Nubia was the one that was going to succeed Wonder Woman. And that's pretty much, that's pretty much that, that story. Uh, so now it's, what, one, now it's Wonder Girl, right? Yes, uh, one quick correction there. Uh, uh, Hippolyta goes out into Man's World to take on uh, the Wonder Woman role uh, and leaves Nubia there in her status queen. Um, then we uh, cut back to Yara Floor. Uh, Yara Floor is there with her aunts, speaking in American Sign Language, talking about her flight back to Brazil and talking about how dangerous it is back there. Her uncle snaps a photo of them as she says goodbye to them. Uh, I'll be home soon, safe with lots of stories. Uh, and we see two agents of, uh, we believe, Themyscira, uh, in relative civilian garb at the airport spying upon them as she leaves and departs. Then we cut back to Battery Park in New York, where they, uh, go up to the headquarters, uh, and the, uh, what was it? The Brownstone of the Justice Society of America. Um, Obsidian is reflecting upon his history, uh, his sister's history as Jade and Alan, uh, his father, uh, as they join, uh, they join together and walk up on his, on Alan, who says, I've walked this earth for a long time, much longer than I should have been, than should have been allotted. I've been fighting for so long, guided by my duty to use this incredible ring and these incredible powers to serve that, uh, to serve that I've neglected a lot of myself. And Karen, or sorry, Karen, I don't know where I got that name. Jade says, uh, Dad, if this is about us, you didn't uh, even know you had children until we were practically adults, a theme which comes up every fucking time. Uh, Alan whaps his rhapsodic in front of him. Uh, and Alan says, no, Jenny Lynn, it's more than that. Uh, he and uh, Obsidian have a moment where he's like, is it always this so damn Hard to say and awkward. Alan says, back in an early time, I kept part of myself hidden from my friends and peers. I even let myself get married a few times to women I did love with all my mind, but I did that knowing there was something about myself I was hiding away. I'm gay. I let the few of the boys in the society know back in the day. I've had a lot of, a good deal of friends over the years, but some of the greatest minds of this world are looking out at the frontier again and all that's possible, and they've asked me to be a sentinel overlooking the totality of this world. And I didn't think it would be right to take that job without finally being my whole, uh, the whole of myself with my friends and with my family. I could stand a little to learn a little from the gen- new, newer generation of ring slingers. So no fear. Right. And they all hug and say, yeah, dad, no fear. 
Uh, meanwhile, we cut over to uh, it's always it's San Francisco, right? That's where Titan's Tower is. It doesn't say here. I think so, but I'm trying to see by any by landmarks if we can. If, nah. But there really doesn't there isn't it. There does not appear to be anything I believe in the in the in those little graphics that tell you. Yeah, there's nothing that says uh, San Francisco, but I'm pretty sure Titan's Tower is supposed to be in San Francisco. But regardless, whatever. Uh, we have a group of people uh, going over uh, on ferry. They get to an island and they are greeted by Titan's Tower. Um, and this is going to lead us into the new Titan's Academy book that will be coming out. Lots of new faces here, uh, um, including some uh, a face you got to know during Future State, if you're interested in following that title. Alrighty then. Uh, so we, we cut to Metropolis, and this is this is an odd story because the spec the specter has this real hate on for uh or the spider sense on for jonathan kent about picking up all, on all the evil and the darkness and 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 jonathan kent but the story seems on the surface what they're observing seems innocent enough that jonathan kent is dealing with a space threat it's a an imperial mall maw excuse me an imperial maw and basically it's it's a it's weapons or time and space themselves. So basically as the specters narrating this, he's telling, he's telling us that basically the things that make quote unquote Superman, Superman, in this case, Jonathan Kent basically won't have any effect and he can't use his natural gifts against, against the mall. It really won't mean anything. But as basically Diana and the specter have this debate where the specter more or less is saying this guy, you know, Jonathan Kent's heading for a fall. You can't trust this guy. And Diana's saying, well, you're not really seeing the big picture here. And what what eventually happens here is that Jonathan Kent figures out what's real. He figures out what's what's going on here. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of the fear itself story mm. with uh, when Alan, Hal and Kyle, Kyle took on the same space creature just to turn out that basically it really wasn't trying. You know, it basically just needed to be reborn by giving it the energy it's wanted as, as opposed to trying to stop it. So basically, Jonathan. Jonathan uses his wisdom by figuring out that, you know, that this maw was not of this plane. And basically he, he uses, he embraces the maw. He uses its own power to figure out uh, that basically he, he helped it search through time and space and, and found it when it was newly lost alone and helpless. And he returned it to its rightful place and returned it to its, to its race and everything else. And Diana seems to think, well, this kind of proves her point, but the, the specter is kind of like, but hear me, this one bears watching Diana. He is still one lost, and Earth will pay the price for that one day. So we leave the sun of tomorrow. And pick up for With Love Renewed, where uh, the two kind of watch Ollie and uh, Dinah screw on a chair. Um, so <laughs> it seems to be more of the Spectre's thing, since Diana is not really comfortable with this. <laughs> uh, I always like it when we cut back to these, because even in... Because this is this is a common theme uh, uh, is that this, you know, you when, when you get these sort of resets to the DCU, you, you get these sort of it, how it affects Superman and Batman and like these big cornerstones of the DCU. But then you get to just Dinah and Ollie. And although Dinah has her canary cry and Ollie's like the best archer and everything, it's like these two are just sort of for lack of a better term regular folks caught up in the mess of uh of whatever crisis is happening at the time and it's always cool to see them find each other and just and it's not find each other like Hawkman and hawk girl uh you know uh star lovers over time or whatever it's just two regular people just 
in the in the quiet moment enjoying each other, which is really cool. Um, there is a phone call on Ollie's phone, but they hang up before he can answer it. It is from an old Q phone, uh, though, so meaning Queen Industries. So there's a um, we don't know uh who who it is but it's a very short list of who it could be ollie says but they go back to each other in their moment uh meanwhile at a 24-hour service gas station in the middle of nowhere we see roy harper hang up his phone and and go hitchhiking to find his way in the world because roy is back from the dead and fully armed no pun intended. <laughs> no, pun fully intended. All pun intended. intended. Pun He's got arms intended. to spare, baby. <laughs> I have an extra in the bag just in case. <laughs> oh, God. And then he starts hitchhiking, too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Hard traveling hero. That's right. Hard traveling heroes. Now we get to the Stargirl story. Now, I should point out for the record, Stargirl means absolutely nothing to me. I don't think I've ever read a single story about Stargirl. So I'll try not to make any massive F-ups like I glazed over the Wonder Woman story because that didn't mean that much to me either. But the art, well, one thing I will say about this, I really like the art in this, in the story. <laughs> and it is a Jeff John story. So, of course, how bad could it be? Well, yeah, how bad could it be? So you have Courtney, Stargirl, and she gives us her little back, gives us our, her, our little primer on her, you know, wielder of this, the amazing sentient cosmic stab, member of the Justice Society, and late for school. Uh, so she's fighting King Midas, who turns everything to gold, apparently. Her stepfather is uh, Pat Dugan, and he shows up in his, what is it, Stripesy? Yeah. Stripesy there. And he helps... He helps Courtney take out Midas, uh, reminding her that she's late for school. Uh, Pat being Pat's her stepfather. So he helps take her to school. She, of course, is late. She's in trouble. But then Pat conveniently con- shows up and go, oh, you forgot your you forgot your lunch in the car. And it's like uh, and she basically comes up with a nice excuse so she won't get in trouble for being for being late. And, of course, Courtney is kind of being funny and add, adding. It's like, yes, I'm so excited. It's like I'm so excited for math and English. And stop. <laughs> That's enough. As Courtney's about to go to class, uh, Pat gets a phone call and, it's, and but saying, the soldiers, we need you. And all of a sudden, the phone call ends and Courtney asks Pat what's going on. And she goes, it's a reason to ditch school. And it's like, uh, isn't he the coolest <laughs> word? <laughs> uh, now we're finally back to the Batman story. Uh, which it, it's really weird how they kind of gap, gapped out this Batman story. Batman's on his Batman's way on his way to Arkham. Um, Monaghan there is trying to get his get people out as he can. We have some interesting narration in this about basically pointing out that they've been trying to hold the city together for so long. They've been doing it with their bare bare hands and they've hardly noticed how much it's changed around them and how much they've changed inside of it. And basically that their old ways of dealing with these problems are just not going to work the way they used to, that they're going to have to change to evolve. Moynihan gets, uh, he, he gets two nurses who are, they're still, in the in Arkham, but trying to not breathe the gas, he helps get them out. But he's you know, obviously seriously wounded as Batman finally arrives. And Mahoney asks, you know, is the, uh, are the are the nurses OK? And he says he says, yes, they're safe. Security tries to prevent Batman from going in. But Batman basically real, tells them that there's only like 17 survivors all throughout Arkham. Everybody else is dead, which kind of stuns everybody. But Batman's going in. And then we kind of have a reveal that uh, that we have a conversation between Simon Saint, who's talking to a, a figure who's not on screen or on page yet. And we find out that it's this really weird version of the Scarecrow talking about that. They're not nearly scared enough, but they will be. That's an interesting look for the Scarecrow. For sure. 
Yeah. So we get to the actual Green Lantern story in this. You're, you're right. When we divvied up these stories, even though I, I don't think I would change what I got other than probably dumping Wonder Woman since I, I fumbled that one. But I didn't realize, like, almost every one of my stories is, is all back to back. All right. So we get to the Green Lantern story. We have Simon and and John in, in a spaceship. And you have you have Simon being Simon because he's moaning and bitching about uh, he, he's a good team with Jessica, but the Guardians split them up. And basically everybody else got a better assignment than him and this, that and the other thing. But John keeps saying that, well, you know, Teen Lantern, who's in the back of the ship, getting a primer on basically on the history of the Green Lantern Corps and the universe, too, that you know Kelly's really important. The Guardians really think she's important because of the, because of the gauntlet and. But, you know, you know, Simon, Simon's being Simon. I like the fact that they basically get up to the cri- they get right up to the crisis on Infinite Earths and then they get interrupted. And Kelly's kind of interu- unhappy that that they did because she because it sounded really interesting. And then we have uh, Simon going, uh, there you go, Teen Lantern. You only get one first time, which is kind of an inappropriate humor to use on a, like a 14 year old or whatever she is. It's like, welcome to Oa, Kelly. And she sees Oa for the first time, the home of the Green Lantern Corps. And that's pretty much that story. Uh, the Flash, the Flash story is really, really cutting to the chase. Barry Allen is has been recruited by by uh, President Superman there to join the uh, Justice Incarnate to observe the formation of the new of the new multiverse. And he's basically being recruited to go scope everything out. So because he is leaving Earth, heaven forbid, Wally West is actually made the Flash of Earth again. <laughs> we never thought we'd see the day. What did we check? <laughs> <laughs> and then two minutes later, he went bad. No, at least not in this issue. So uh, they, they talk about the two Earths, like Earth Omega, which we get, we'll get a reference point to in a few minutes. But that's pretty much it. So Flash, so Wally West is left back in charge of the Flash while Barry Allen goes off to do his exploration. And that's pretty much that story. All right. We cut back to the Infinite Expanse and we see uh specter and wonder woman or rather diana walking across a kind of checkerboard pattern featuring various characters from across the dc universe we see uh we see i'll I'll name a few we see the titans we see swamp thing justice league dark we see lobo um is that partly the jsa is that uh wildcat right there Mm. on the far uh, above lobo far far left between diana and her own word bubble yes i would say that I, i would say that is correct we got Booster and Beetle. That's Ted Cord, uh, Beetle. We've got uh, Hal, Kyle, Guy, and Jessica. Uh, we've got Aquaman and, and Mara and Aqualad and their kid and Deathstroke and all kinds of stuff. Hey, Kyle's important. This is like the only friggin' time we've seen Kyle like in anything, including Future State. <laughs> True. <laughs> he lives. Uh, and I'll, I'll just go ahead and read this because there is some important stuff in here. Um, so Spectre says... Uh, are you also ready? How do you judge what you have seen? And Diana says, for years, our lives were infected with despair. An omnipotent force from another world manipulated us as part of some grand experiment. It stole away so much our sense of legacy, our connections and faith in ourselves. We believed its lies for too long. It let worse aspects of the multiverse hurt us. But it's easy to see that among my allies, its influence is gone. We're free to embrace the best parts of ourselves more than the multiverse has changed. We have to uh, 
we have to, our lives have. We can move forward in exciting new ways, start new chapters. Uh, Spectre says, which can come with wonder. And Diana says, and terror. And Spectre says, hence this threat you were warned of. And she says, but those kinds of fears are always with us. The fear of change, perhaps the cost I was warned of was the past we must leave behind. My allies, old and new, have shown me they're up to the task with their truths restored. They can take on any darkness. And Spectre says, there are others we can look in on, Diana. And she says, I wish I could say goodbye, but... Spectre says, you have made up your mind. Take me back to the quintessence, Spectre. Uh, they ask if she's ready to join them. She says, my, I have faith that my family and friends can take care of themselves. And they start welcoming her. She says, you must understand me. I'm sorry. I got to decline. Uh, you're telling me that anything is possible now, but then you want me to just stay here with you just to just watch. You showed me so many brave individuals embracing the change ahead of them today, Spectre. And it reminded me when Steve Trevor washed up on the shores of Themyscira, I could have sent him back to the world of man alone and stayed behind where I was safe with my sisters. Instead, I traveled with him to an unknown world, leaving behind my home and all that I knew uh, was the scariest thing I ever did. But it was the start of a new chapter in my life, greater than I could have dreamed. And now I find myself on a different shore, and it's time to set. I set sail into the infinite frontier. She changes costumes, and uh, we get a big splash of all the uh, DCU we have seen, and we'll see some more of, including people like John Stewart and Sojourner Mullen and Alan Scott. Uh, and where's is Jaden City on this? I don't think I see him here. Not on this splash. Uh, but Naomi is here, which of course has tenuous maybe connections to Lantern stuff. Maybe who knows? Possibly we never know. Um, but the epilogue uh, has um, the quintessence saying that they kind of predicted this in the first place, uh, and saying if Wonder Woman joined us, she would have seen there's nothing we cannot control or defeat. Earth Omega, as the Flash called it, will be its prison, a place of endings, where, a place where even gods and specters interrupted as something says die, and attacks the quintessence and bring them, brings them to the ground, filling them with blackness as they all struggle beneath the heel of this person who's speaking. Wonder Woman and her ilk believe this to be a glorious new beginning, a new chapter, but it only brings them close to the finale all stories always lead back to me the last chapter i stood by as beings like you made me lesser than i am meant to be now reconstituted from all my lesser forms all my past aspects have become one my true form my power exceeds what it was before the first crisis it is time for the lower beings of creation to remember who they fear in their darkest hours, in their deepest moments of despair. This new multiverse is now infinite, but I am finite. I am final. Dark side is the end. And this is to be continued in Infant Frontier number one coming in July. Ugh. What a shitty way to end a book. <laughs> All right. Do we want to talk about everything but the lantern stuff first, and then we can end with the lantern stuff? Uh, I don't even know where. To, well, the quintessence stuff was interesting, other than the fact that we know clearly the quintessence quintessence doesn't count, or can't count, or doesn't care anymore because the specter is kind of like de facto part of the quintessence, so that already makes him past five. This is not the original quintessence, so they've already swapped people out, and then they and now they're looking to add Diana. So other than the fact that it wouldn't be a quintessence anymore. It was kind of cool to see them, and I guess for I guess foreshadowing, we we probably know who's which guardian is being buried now in in, in the relaunching Green Lantern, the Thorn Book. Not necessarily, but probably. Uh, I liked 
I like the whole Ghost of Christmas Past thing with the Spectre and Diana. I like the concept of that. It's not original, but I, I, I like that. So the overall, the, you know, the interconnecting story of Diana and the Spectre and him showing her things. It just as there's other things, as we'll talk about, there's some contradiction with the idea that all oh, these there's infinite possibilities and infinite stories. But yet sometimes it's like, well, no, there isn't. We're, we're only we're only going to give you one thing. And even the specter picking up on this thing with Jonathan Kent was like, you know, if there's infinite possibilities, then why are you so sure that everyone's going to end with Jonathan Kent being bad? <laughs> Which is only interesting because we did the House of L. So right. maybe he is somehow something is prevent somehow because of the way the multiverse is now as the omniverse that he sees snippets, but doesn't see everything or can't see everything since there's so many possibilities. So maybe he's really picking up on uh, Puros there, uh, the Red King as the son of Superman that will go bad and become the t- a tyrant because that's how he refers to. Uh, but he's what he sees Jonathan Kent becoming. So maybe he's basically picking up on the wrong vibes off the son of off because based on his scope, he only sees Jonathan Kent as the only son, quote unquote, of Superman. I don't know. It's weird, but I don't. But that but that kind of struck that kind of struck me. The I, I don't like John Romita Jr.'s art, but it, it I guess considering the way they're doing the, the, the epilogue, it does kind of fit. So it, it's less bothersome in this in this these couple of pages. But I am so damn sick of Dark Side. I mean, I. I I would rather the anti-monitor show up and it would have been more interesting and more new than having dark side. Oh, here comes final crisis too. Even though now he's like, now dark side is dialed up to 11. Cause he's like all, he's all the other dark sides like merged into one. It's like, I don't give a shit. We know I don't care about the new gods and, and I, and I care about apocalypse even less than I care about new, new Genesis. So the idea of dark side being the big bad already that they're going to be doing in this infinite front kind of seems like an odd choice for, when it comes to an infinite of infinite possibilities. And yet it's a retread villain who we've seen over and over and a lot lately, especially even in the animated movies, it's all dark side, dark side is the big bad. The other, I mean, the, the other stories are okay. There isn't anything that <clears throat> before without leaving out the lantern stuff, there isn't anything that really grabbed me. I actually liked the Superman, Jonathan Kent story, probably more than most of the others. The Batman story was weird. Uh, the Shazam story was cool. Uh, Flash was pretty simple, based to the point. Even the Alan Scott story, without going into specifics yet, if you if you if it wasn't about Alan Scott as a general story about somebody coming out, for the most part, I thought it was handled well. But yeah, so, yeah. So my thoughts on everything about the Green Lantern stuff, um, I enjoyed it. I, I really like the interstitial art between um, the stories with the Wonder Woman and Spectre stuff. Um, I thought that was really well done. Um, I, I, I like seeing the quintessence. I thought I did. I did think uh, Spectre uh, should should have been his role should have been traded out with the Phantom Stranger just in terms of walking as a ghost through past, future, presence, you know, all this stuff um, that is more in line with his thing. But again, if they're going to do the ghost of Christmas past thing, then let's get the ghost. I get it. That's that's fine. Um, the Superman stuff. I thought that was interesting. Two pages and it really gives you. Uh, you know, your hopeful Superman back. Uh, so that's cool. It's not like he was gone very relatively recently, but he was gone uh, since the new 52, at least in terms of things. So it really sets the tone. Uh, I like the, the Batman stuff. I thought it was an interesting way to do this. I do like, uh, like, I, I think Montoya is in uh, Gordon's role now, if I, if I'm reading this right. So that's, that'd be, that's an interesting thing 
to follow. Um, as a rule, I tend not to read any of the Batman, or rather what I call the Gotham universe, which is uh, Batman and Harley and the Joker titles and all this stuff. But I do pick things up on occasion. There was that Black Label Harleen series. I got that. That was really well done. Um, I'm getting the new Tom Taylor Nightwing series, which I've talked about a couple of times on the show because of the upcoming Jamal Campbell variants on those, which I've shown Mark, and he also agrees those are pretty strong variants. Uh, and plus, Tom Taylor's a good writer. I'm, and I'm anxious to see what he's doing. And all of that to say, I am a fan of Tinian, uh, and I really enjoy his work on a lot of their comics, specifically in the indie world. And the art that is being used here is also really cool looking and interesting. It's it's not it's put it this way. It's not uh, it's it's not a Tom Rainey style where I'm just not interested in, in anything on any panel. And it just doesn't catch my eye. Um, there are it's a it's of a style that intrigues me uh it's been a long time since i've picked up batman um i don't i don't think i'm going to pick up batman even based on my curiosity surrounding what i want to see tinyan do uh but i will say if anyone's going to make me pick up batman after a long long time uh and my active almost boycott of anything gotham um then uh, Tinyan might be the one to do it. But I think I'm going to have to wait a little while. The first issue has already come out, I believe. And according to what I've heard, that first issue, and I'm not sure if this is going to be the thing moving forward, but that first issue has multiple different stories by different creative teams, uh, almost like an anthology sort of a thing, which means an expensive issue. And if it's going to continue that way, that's not going to, you know, a little more frugal. But where I spend my dollars, I might get it. Uh, cheaper digitally and keep up with it that way or maybe i'll do it in trade if word of mouth goes but suffice it to say i am curious about tinyan's batman um the wonder woman thing was interesting um i like how they sort of handled the nubia thing because i do believe there were some fans uh i don't want to say who were outraged about the R floor thing it's just that nubia has been around and they've been trying to amp her up and out amp her up and now we're going to sideline her for yara floor so you know, are we happy about that? Are we sad about that? It's an interesting way to handle it to just, just straight up make her queen. I mean, that's kind of cool. Um, of what I've seen of Yara Floor, um, I'm really glad that this is only two issues or two pages rather that show us something about her uh, because they really did a proving, you know, kind of battleground for her within her appearances in future state um, and enough so that she's getting her own title uh, moving forward. So that's cool, which I will be getting the wonder girl issue one at the very least. So, um, so future state did its job in regards to that new character, the Superboy thing I enjoyed. I'm not entirely sure. I like the art. I did like it in a lot of places, but I think Jonathan Kent's face looks really weird. Um, yeah, the art, the, yeah, the art, the art isn't fantastic in that story. And definitely some really cool colors, uh, yes, and layouts and things like that. Really cool looking, like when uh, he's flying into the void and he's got the spiral of images of his own history and stuff. Like some layouts and stuff are really cool. Uh, enjoyed that. The stuff with the Ali and Diana, I sort of commented on as I as I went. Star Girl never really had much of a connection to her, although I do have the first season on Blu-ray, so maybe that'll change. Uh, that is Vigilante right there, who calls him uh, the, the Vigilante, like the cowboy who rides the motorcycle and has the red bandana over his face and the cowboy hat. That's that's the original Vigilante. 
Um, back to the Batman stuff again. If anybody's going to make me intrigued, it's tiny in. The Green Lantern stuff we'll get to in a sec. Um, but the Flash stuff was really interesting. Makes me almost want to pick up the Flash book. Uh, I'm not sure if I will. I think that'll be another word of mouth thing. But um, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't. Are we? Is the Flash book going to show us Wally's story and Barry's story? Or will it be Wally's story and Barry's story will be told elsewhere? Uh, will it be the book where we keep up with the multiverse and what's happening and everything? Uh, I, I don't know. I am curious. Again, word of mouth. Um, I'm guessing it's going to be Wally's book and Barry's just going to we're, we're not going to see much of Barry till they do the Infinite Frontier miniseries. Probably. Um, and uh, I do. I really like Wonder Woman's new costume. I think that's pretty cool looking um it reminds me a lot of an asgardian armor she looks kind of like sif and i think it's freaking cool looking uh i i do like the the homage to the wonder woman tv show she sort of does her little spin and transforms in, into this thing so i think that's freaking cool looking and uh you know uh i'm not as anti dark side as you are but uh i do feel it's a little played out but you know, I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, nothing I can do to change it. Um, I did like this double page spread where Spectre and Diana are talking about all they've witnessed. And it's almost like Diana is talking to the Spectre, but it's also DC's leadership talking to us, you know, kind of saying uh, kind of how the, the universe has been darker and it stole away our sense of legacy and our connections and faith in ourselves um, you know, all that stuff We're we're free to embrace the best parts of ourselves and, and all this stuff. So it, it's almost in a way a promise. Uh, and the way, the way the, this book is laid out and is told and this moment here with Diana and the specter, you know, uh, it, it, it serves to get you hyped a little bit. And I, I agree with that and I enjoy the hype. Um, it's just every issue, uh, that has come out in terms of, introducing the possibility of this new universe, whether it be the final issue of Flashpoint or, you know, the new 52 specials or the rebirth special or this thing, they have all had the same goal and instilled the same thing of possibility and, and, you know, embracing a new future and stuff. So, and each one has either succeeded in some eyes or let others down in some eyes. Uh, I'm of the opinion given a change in leadership at DC that there's a little more potential for this to live up to its promise of change uh, because all the prior promises of change came from the same people. Um, So we will see, but um, let's just say I'm uh, apprehensively hopeful about the promise that this thing makes. Um, But overall, I would say I enjoyed this. It's a $6 book and I didn't feel like I wasted my money on it. Well, I'm not going to say I wasted my money on it either, but as far as I certainly based on what's and again, some of my some of my vibe off this book has now I didn't like I didn't love the book to start with. But as we're going to talk about the James Tynan stuff in greater detail in a few minutes, that if I if I was lukewarm on it, reading that quote, not just related to Alan, but just related to what it mean, kind of like the contradiction again about infinite possibilities except for what we did except for we what we predetermined is our agenda and we will not allow those possibilities to exist that would have sucked a lot of momentum of the air out of the room i thought i think this issue is okay i i definitely don't like compared to dc rebirth the one shot i definitely like dc rebirth much more than this 
I thought there was much more, even without building in that we should feel there's more potential in this because they're literally telling you there's unlimited universes now in the multiverse. So there should be inherently, you should think that there's more possibilities because they, because mathematically speaking, there are. But do I really feel that? Do I really do I really feel like there's going to be change? And again, change isn't change is not always positive. People have to remember that change, which is also interesting because when you that two page spread you're talking about and the things you liked about that, it kind of reminded me today when when you showed me that article related to Grant Morrison for issue 12, mm-hmm. that it's like a di- it's like it's it's analyzing it in a similar fashion, though, taking different takes on it because of, of what that 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 analysis was talking about related to Morrison and maybe what Morrison is trying to get across besides the basic story, you know, almost like a cautionary tale in a different kind of way to new people, to the new group of people coming in. So I, so it is, it, but it just comes back to the point that change is not always positive. So can you feel like, Oh yeah, it's, it's an endless possible, but endless possibilities. But then you look at where some of these, some of these stories are going. I mean, so far we've had, we're going to give, we're going to jump into the green lantern stuff. This little short story, you know, the the John Simon story, still annoying that other than that little teeny picture of Hal and that and that one two part spread, we don't even see Kyle at all. Not that we see Hal either when we do when they had the big Infinite Frontier reveal. But, you know, Kyle, do you want to talk about a character that got screwed throughout Future State and so far beginning in, in Infinite Frontier? It's Kyle because you never even saw him <laughs> except for that one little picture that. When Teen Lantern is what you, when Teen Lantern is the most interesting character, and that doesn't mean that Kelly is necessarily a bad character, but I know nothing about her. And between the story that we read in the last Future State and this story, I I already would rather read about her than certainly Simon in any day of the week, but even John, even John. And so the idea that we're going to be force fed, luckily doesn't seem like we're going to be force fed Simon. I hope. But the fact that it's going to be John, it's going to be Joe, to, who they're raying. So even though you, I like Joe, it's like I have a feeling they're just going to jam her down your throat and have her be the end all be all to everything. And Teen Lantern and yet Teen Lantern might be the one that's the more most appealing. I don't know. I don't I don't have a lot of uh, I don't have a lot of positivity about where Green Lantern is going. We haven't read the book yet, but I, but like we talked about with Future State, I don't think the I don't think the groundwork is positive. I think if you're reading the tea leaves, you can't be overly optimistic Unless you're 100 percent John Stewart fan and you're just glad that he's leading the book, like compared to what we've gotten before, I don't know. So uh, I before we come become lost in the Alan Scott thing. Uh, so the 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 Green Lantern stuff um, with Kelly and John and Simon, I, I really enjoyed it. Dexter Soy's art again really killed it. I like the um, uh, it looks like Ola's back. Um, Mogo is no longer the the home world, so that's cool. Although uh, uh, I guess Mogo's acting as a moon, <laughs> that's no moon. Uh, <laughs> but but but, but oh, I think oh, it's been back for a while. Oh, has it? Uh, who knows anymore? Yeah, don't forget, um, well, I, I think they had to because remember the Guardian sent Mogo off with Kelly in the Future State thing. Uh, who knows? They needed some place uh, to send her from, or else they'd be going along for the ride. <laughs> uh, but regardless. Uh, it's interesting that the guardians are guardian, like uh, the guardian tra- training her is like a traditional guardian, an old blue guy in a red robe. Yeah, but don't but don't forget that's almost like it's almost like a hologram. Well, I mean, that's what I was about to say. Yeah, it's but, almost like a hologram lecture tape or something like that yeah. potentially. Yeah, so it's that. I, I just wanted to bring it up because it's a possible. Maybe it's not. Who knows? We'll see. Um, well, you, well, you assume they're going to come back based on what was happening in Green in the Green Lantern series about the about the 
the young guardians that they're not going to be around for long. So you would probably assume the old guardians will come back. I mean, yeah, but uh, the, again, man, I'm just talking about the possibilities of what's what potential stories could be coming in the future. Uh, so yes, that's one of the ones I was talking about. Uh, I think it's cool. that uh, based on what we've gotten so far from, um, from Jeffrey Thorne, uh, I'm not really excited um, uh, yet, but we haven't seen John's uh, as a ring. Now I am with, with his ring. I, I'm, I'm reading this, these uh, what one, two, three pages of, of this with Dexter soy art. Uh, this, these three pages are written by Jeffrey Thorne. Um, and I like it. I don't see anything here that I have a problem with. So um, in terms of Jeffrey Thorne, Writing John Stewart as Green Lantern uh, on the ongoing thing, we're, we're the the first three pages that we get that are truly uh, kind of set in the world that Jeffrey Thorne will be moving forward in. So far, so good. But again, it's only three pages. Um, it's interesting, uh, kind of getting the snippets of the history that she is learning about, especially given one of the last things is the Guardian swirled all that wild magic into the Starheart. We haven't heard that story told in a while, and given that there's an Alan story in here, uh, and we'll be seeing more of Alan moving forward, it, I'd be really interested uh, to know if you know. Uh, not only are, are we going to get more Alan and all, and all, but maybe we'll get some retcons or reveals or something about um, the Starheart and his his actual origins. So that that would be really interesting to to go through. And I think it's cool. What does he say? Because he says the galaxy's great powers are all coming together as the United Planets. I had mentioned this when we talked about House of L that John Stewart had made a mention of the formation of the United Planets. This is the United Planets, guys. That goes into um, the Legion of Superheroes. It's always a factor in the Legion of Superheroes. So it's interesting that it is now truly formed and we are moving forward in DC history. I think it's really cool. Uh, and my biggest, uh, I, it might, may be weird, but like it's not a bunch of lanterns flying to Oa. They're there. You can see them. Um, but it's also just a bunch of alien ships. So it makes me wonder like, so Oa has always been supposed to have been uh, supposed to have been the center of the universe, right? So is it also like a way station, a place of diplomacy, whether it were other uh, alien races are come and meet on neutral ground? Is it a trade port? Like, is it a, you know, is it a travel destination or like a halfway point where people drop people off and you go pick them up? You know, like when I spent summers at my grandparents' house, you know, we met halfway between Austin and Big Spring. Like is, you know, is this is this the halfway point where you meet people and pick them up and take them along the rest of their journey? Like, I just thought it was interesting to see all these spaceships heading towards Oa. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that might just part of that might have to do with what as John's talking about that with, with this formation of the United Planets and the Guardians kind of don't know what their role is and what to deal with it and what their thoughts are, what to do with it, how to deal with it, what their thoughts are on it. So it might just be. It may have a lot to do with diplomacy. It may have to do with, I mean, it's still diplomacy, but instead of the guardians reaching out to other races or other planets, the idea of getting the guardians behind this United Planets is something important, getting their, you know, their stamp of approval. It it is odd. It is kind of something we're not used to seeing. So it is, it'll be interesting to see if we get more of an explanation on that. Okay. All right, man. Uh, I guess we're going to move on into the Alan Scott stuff. Oh yes. The Alan Scott stuff. All right. So, Again, so before we get into the Alan Scott stuff, this is this is this is where we give these 
we probably should give the disclaimer part of, of the episode where what 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 the Alan Scott discussion is not a referendum on. <laughs> it's not a referendum on whether it's something there's anything wrong with being gay because there isn't. There's not a referendum on whether there's anything wrong or coming out because there isn't. And it's not a referendum on whether men come out old later in life because that's not a ref. None of those things are what the people who have issues with. Let me let me amend that. None of those things are what the majority of people who have issues with either this story or how Alan Scott's been treated like over the last 10 years. So those really aren't the tripping, you know, the, the sticking or tripping points, tripping up points for most people. I look at the story and the story itself, again, if we didn't have the quote by Tynan, which we're going to, which was from a Newsarama article, we're going to, I'm going to read in a second, that if it wasn't for that, this story by itself would be fine. If it was just one Alan Scott and one and one multiverse or it's the still, you know, it's the new 52 Alan Scott, basically now giving the retcon of having his full JSA origins, that would be fine. But that's not the case. And more importantly, this this book does have this story does have one of the stupidest lines I've, like I've, I've ever read in a comic book. That line about, oh, that he was even married and, and, and the exploited. I even let myself get married a few times to women I did love with all of my mind. That's that is so insulting to the women who, who were important to Alan Scott in the in the 70 years before they, they changed Alan Scott. In the 70 years that Alan Scott was the way he always was. We all know women were very, very important to him. Molly was especially important to him. So by bastardizing the, the, the quote about, oh, I love something or someone with all of my heart. You're making it crystal clear that this Alan Scott wasn't really in love with it, with these women. He may have loved them, may have. But the fact that he went out of his way to say, I, my mind basically loved them, that means he loved the concept of it. He was trying to fit in. He was trying to get the enjoyment or the satisfaction or the peace that men were supposed, that being married was supposed to bring men. It was supposed to what a man is supposed to aspire to. He loved the concept of them, but he didn't love. Certainly he wasn't in love with them. That absolutely changes his past. If they made Alan Scott buy originally, they wouldn't have done that. If they had Alan Scott buy, they, they, his, his past history with women could have stayed intact. But that wasn't enough. That, but 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 what bothers me is that it's kind of it's essentially like. I hate to phrase it this way. Well, part of me hates to phrase it this way, but it's like back when they did the new 52 stuff and they made, and they decided to make him gay. And then we knew that we knew that this was coming when we saw that, that, that a hundred page giant that with the Alan Scott story, which made it, which made it clear via implication that they were, that Alan Scott was always this way. And they had made him buy, even if they made it where he started out on team a and then crossed over and was on both teams for a while. And as he got older in life, he realized, you know what? This is where I belong. That basically wasn't woke enough. That wasn't woke enough to do that. So you have to change who he is and completely. And if you're driven by agenda and by ideology, you don't need to winning. You don't want to compromise. You just want to win. And you don't want to just win. You want to like carpet bomb everybody out of existence who is on the other side. They could have had something in that in this story where he could have referenced the fact. And they kind of they almost do it. When he's when he talks about, you know, I did love them with all of my mind, but there was something missing. He could have just said, I love them with all of my heart, but something was missing. If they wanted to give Alan Scott purists or DC history purists something. But no, you couldn't do that. 
you could have said, I love them with all of my, I, I love them with all of my heart, but I wasn't in love with them with all of my heart. They could have done something. But again, that's not that's not good enough, because now as we've as we're going to get to the quote that Alan Scott basically has been designated as he's gay everywhere. He's not just gay in one part of the multiverse. He's not gay in just 50, 50 universes in the multiverse. DC has designated that now, regardless of how many there could be 750 trillion universes in the in the omniverse, but because DC editorial has decided Alan Scott has to be gay everywhere. Which again, if Alan Scott was originally a gay character, that probably wouldn't be a big deal, but he wasn't. And it's the fact that the quote implies that they DC was upfront about this all along when they when they made the new 52 Alan Scott gay. And we know that's not the case. So before I get to the quote, if you want, if you want to, if you want to counter that, as I'm, as you probably would like to on some level, that you can, I'll, I'll, I'll cede the floor to you, and then we'll actually read the quote, the Tynan quote regarding Alan Scott in, in the multiverse and everything else. So I think it's fair and to 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 say, and <laughs> I'm sure, given given our conversations on Facebook, I'm pretty sure Mark is not shocked in the slightest that I disagree with him a little bit on this. I don't think I I don't think I fully disagree with you in terms of in terms of the quote because I remember reading all the articles because we did an we did an episode about you know Alan coming out as gay when this happened back in 2012 2011. Uh, so we talked all about this. So I remember reading a wealth of articles. So the idea that uh, I don't remember ever reading anywhere that Alan was supposed to be gay throughout the DC multiverse in every iteration he ever was. So I agree with you on that point, that it seems like revisionist history, uh, that that uh, there's suddenly this editorial edict that he's he is gay throughout the multiverse. So in that in that facet, I agree with you. Everything else, though, I, I think I disagree. And I think yeah. <laughs> here's Mark Schacht's face. <laughs> um, the I just I, I think I come at it from a and, and, and guy, the, by the way, guys, everything I'm saying is not to fight Mark on this or try and put words in his mouth. Mark, you has, said bastard. He, Mark, <laughs> Mark has said what he has said in his own words. I'm going to say what I have said in my own words. So this none of what I'm about to say is 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 what I'm my interpretation of what Mark just said. I am just saying what I'm saying to me. I, in the same way that I am not a minority of any kind and don't have that history, don't know how that life is led. I am not in any way uh, gay, bisexual, questioning, trans, any, any of those things. I can't possibly imagine those struggles, that mindset coming to grips with your identity in that way and so on and so forth. I'm not going to pretend I know. I know representation matters, and I can understand at least enough uh, from an empathy standpoint to uh, to appreciate that and celebrate it when representation shows up in comics. So that's fantastic, and I'm glad to see it here. Uh, And that is sort of how I view um, Alan's uh, phrases here about what he says about his past romantic entanglements. Uh, Mark knows, as well as a lot of people, I'm a big fan of Alan Scott. And I'm a big fan of Alan, not just for Alan's sake, but primarily for his family. I love Molly Maine. I love Jade. I love Obsidian. Uh, you know, I, the, the, the family aspect, the elder statesman, the history, you know, uh, his relationship with Molly and Harlequin and, and Rosenthorn and, 
this legacy of this character that's gone back for 80, 81 plus years now. Um, you know, and, and that's only deepened as I've gotten to know the Nodells um, and everything. You know, I just, I really appreciate the breadth of potential that's here. And Alan Scott has been off of the front lines for so long now that, uh, you know, it, it's almost like time is reset in a way in terms of potential to tell a story with him because, you know, the character has been around for 80 plus years. So you think it, after some point in his publication history, it's just like we ran out of Alan stories to tell. But now the universe has changed around him so many times and he's been off the front lines for so long. It's like it's like the potential is back. And I'm happy to see that. Um, I'll never forgive Jade for cheating on Kyle. I don't care what universe it is. Um, but I still love these characters and I, I love seeing them. Uh, it felt a little off to me to um to, to see him say what he says uh, about the women he he was with in his past but again i'm not i'm not one who could i'm not anybody who could say that i could understand that struggle uh especially and we ha- we can't we can't also just discount that this isn't just a struggle that is being uh you know kind of brought to the forefront here in terms of uh a man struggling with his sexuality in in modern day in a comic we're talking also about his past as an older man in his 40s so uh you know who knows what it was like dealing with uh, a difference in sexuality back in the 40s and 50s and and i mean it's not like gay people didn't exist back then but if i don't know anything about being a gay man in in the modern era i can't possibly imagine you know hiding it and uh i would not doubt uh that you know for the sake of not being uh persecuted in some way or another that gay men married uh married women and started families so and just denied that whether it be for religious reasons or just personal safety or or whatever um but that's neither here nor there I, i think i've said what i what i mean to say here in terms of i i don't know i don't know I don't know how you deal with that. I don't know. I can't identify with that situation. I've not been put in that situation. Um, so I trust that um, is, 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 forgive me. Uh, this probably should have looked this particular part up is, is uh Tinian part of the uh, LGBTQ community? Actually, that's a good question. I actually thought about that. I don't know if Tynan, I don't know if Tynan is. I'm trying to read. I'm trying to read the quote but i don't well from the article i don't think he mentions it in the article yeah but, if, but i was gonna say if you want if you want to if you want to try to look okay for yeah, that, yeah 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 yeah. as a queer male creator okay um, yeah all right so, yes. so, okay so I, I trust i trust him uh in in his portrayal of of what it is like from uh, from his perspective as a gay man well that's and that's fine except again that partial that's partially missed it's partial misdirection because nobody is questioned nobody who gets who gets is bothered by this well again nobody as in small in quotes the majority of people who are bothered aren't bothered because it's not an accurate representation of somebody coming out or the stuff somebody has to deal with the issue is that's not who alan scott was created to be and alan scott wasn't like that for 70 years so at the very least you have to try to well you don't obviously because when you're in when when you're the ones in charge you don't have to do anything that the reality is they don't care about the the history of the character because that that statement that's an that's a really infuriating statement that's an insult that's an let's put it 
let's put it this way. And they try if, if Marvel, who tends to be more woke than DC, and they said, you know, DC's having they're doing all this with a B tier character. And now we have, we need to make one of our A tier characters and do the same thing. So Peter Parker's gay from now on. If he made that kind of statement saying, you know, I love Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane with all of my mind, but everybody in the world would know that's complete, utter bullshit because because we know how those relationships were, how important they were to, to, in defining to Peter Parker. Now, I didn't read of all, all, all of Alan Scott's stories. You're a bigger Alan Scott person than, than I am. But obviously, Molly was tremendously important to him. And that statement is insulting because it, besides the fact it's insulting because we have 70 years of evidence to the contrary. It's the fact that it just it just flushes it down the toilet. I mean, if, let's let's put it this way. Forget about the whole the sexuality aspect of it. If you were if you were married, if you were, if you end up getting married one day and your and your relationship runs its course and you split and down the road, you, your ex-wife makes a comment like, no, yeah, I mean, I was you know, I was involved with other men. I was even married before. But, you know, I was never really in love with any of them. I think I just love the concept of it. That wouldn't make you feel like shit. That would make you feel like your relationship was a lie on some level. Not your feelings for her, but her feelings for you and what you thought the relationship was. It changes things. It's just, it's not, it's just, I just find that, and again, it's nothing. If Alan, you know, if Martin O'Dell had really wanted Alan Scott to be gay from the beginning and he couldn't do it and, and that was true, then, I, then that, would be, that would be something, that would be something different. You know, even though you still have the 70 years history of him being straight, I would look at it differently. But you're taking a character that was never this way and just doing it because you have an agenda as opposed to creating a new character. And then you get to the point where now, by edict, you have infinite possibilities, but they're not even allowing one universe in the goddamn omniverse where Alan Scott, the traditional Alan Scott, JSA, the way everybody remembers him, to still exist, even though that's not what we were told when they when the new 52 Alan came around so maybe so let's let's just let's, as long as i if i have it in the right spot let's get to the let's get to the quote because i think it's kind of important that uh first off there was a promise made a number of years ago when the earth 2 books were coming out as part of the new 52 that's when the earth 2 version of alan scott came out and the dc publisher made the promise that alan scott from here on out would be a queer character across the dc multiverse and the premier gay male hero of the larger dc mythology as we started bringing back the classic version of the Justice Society and we started down the road that we knew was going to end with a reunified history of the DC universe, a history that has the Justice Society back in the 40s, that has Infinity Inc. popping up as the next generation of the Justice Society and all the relationships that came out. It was really important to me that this promise be kept. Now, number one, if there was a promise made about Alan about that Alan Scott being you know the out being the premier queer gay male hero throughout the multi the DC multiverse that was never announced to the public which doesn't mean he's full of shit it just means that they didn't tell us because they knew there would have been more pushback to it so to me there's three possibilities with that quote number one is absolutely true and we were just kept in the dark about it it's like we had to get to step a before we can do step b Option two is that he's completely full of crap, that there was that there was never any DC edict that this this or it wasn't spelled out that this was ever going to happen. And option three or C, which is splits the difference, which is there was a, a group, a cabal of people who were not in power who wanted this to be the case. But the powers that be at the time did not mandate it. But there were a group of people that said, hey, if we get it, given the opportunity, if we're in charge, 
this is what we're going to do. Now, if either way, it's not being, it wasn't honest to the public. Either way, the part that bothers me the most about it, I wouldn't even care if the main Alan Scott was basically just this kind of like combo version of the new 52. I wouldn't care. I don't care who he sleeps with. It's the fact that they're completely flipping the middle finger to all the past history and the original Alan Scott, the same way they tried, the same way they were saying, oh, you know, this is a new Alan Scott, a different universe in the new 52. Your Alan Scott still exists out there. This doesn't erase the things that you remember. And that was only when we had 52 universes. Now we have unlimited universes and they're saying, oh, guess what? We won't even allow one universe where the original Alan Scott still exists. That's bullshit. That's being driven by that's being driven by your agenda. And you don't give a shit about anybody else in the history. You could at least make one universe, for God's sake, where the original Alan Scott still existed, because this absolutely changes him. And again, they, if they hadn't put that stupid line about I, I love them with all of my mind, it wouldn't have bothered even this stuff with Tynan wouldn't have bothered me even as much. But you combine the two. It's like that's just, I mean, because that quote to me in that story is like, forget about salt on the wound. For Alan Scott fans or, or fans of the traditional DCU, the history of it, that's like pouring acid in the wound because it's like that's just really kick. That's like a kick in the groin about his past relationships that absolutely fundamentally changes his past relationships. And me and he's based, ah, they really weren't, you know, my I, I love the concept of them. My mind loved being with them or the idea of being with them, but my heart. Yeah. So that's pretty much all I have to say about it. it I thought the line was really stupid. It just it's it's completely contradictory in a in a relaunch with infinite possibilities and infinite storytelling, except asterisk. We except for us, because we decided Alan Scott has to be gay everywhere. So you can't change that. That's that's contradictory and really, 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 really stupid and insulting to your intelligence that 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 would be the case. I mean, even in a multiverse where or an omniverse where friggin Alan Scott could probably be different colors and he could be a, a woman in this and one and one universe but guess what got got to be gay because if somebody made the same same statement about superman having to be straight it's the same basic point except alan scott was created to be straight like or was straight originally if you want to say created he was always portrayed that way just like superman was but even if the same quote was made after the alan scott statement in the same breath but you know we but we but but clark canto is going to be straight no matter what universe people would what would you get? Would people just be happily? Would they happily accept that quote? Or would you hear, oh, that's narrow minded thinking. Mathematically, that wouldn't be the case. What are you, a homophobe and all that stuff? It's just it's, it's just, you know, that's pretty much it. I'm done. I don't I, I don't I don't as not. You know, I, I don't know. I like Alan Scott. I always like Alan Scott, even though he's not, you know, my Green Lantern or everything else. But I think it's it's insulting to change that to really completely change the history of the character. And then. And then wipe it out. And when you read that quote, it's like basically the Alan Scott that everybody knew for 70 years and another in another 10 or 15 years, almost nobody's going to know that he ever existed anymore. So it's just it's revisionist history. And it's just it's just not fair to the character, I don't think. But it is what it is. Gotcha. Uh, So we've got an email here. Where did I I had this up a second ago? I got it if you don't. Uh, I, I got it. Sorry. All right. So Zane sent us uh, an email. He said, okay, Chad and Mark, based on what you both read in infinite frontier, what are both of your predictions for green lantern other than the thorn series? Where do you think Alan Scott, along with Jaden obsidian, 
how Kyle, Guy, etc. may end up. Is it too late to try and restart the GL franchise? Does that franchise possibly hinge on the success of the HBO Max series? As always, thanks for your input, and I appreciate the thoughts. Let Mad Chad and Snark Mark be unleashed. Up yours, eh? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Say something, Mad Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Your time to shine this episode, man. <laughs> oh, uh, 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 no, guys, I, I, I just don't think there was. I, I, I think Mark and I have different differing views on it. Although I would not be. It's been a while. So what? What is this now? It's almost ten years. So what? Nine years since uh, the change in in uh, the Earth Two series. Yeah. So. I had similar thoughts, uh, change for the sake of change, I think, remember, because that became a tagline and a joke, a long-running joke against me and uh, things like that. But I think I think I had similar similar thoughts. I don't, I don't know that you and I have the, same, have the exact same thought process, uh, your, your thoughts now versus my thoughts then when, when the change was happening. But I don't know. Uh, I'm not throwing Mark under the bus or anything, guy. <laughs> yeah, you are, but it's not. I'm the, the, the statement, the statesman's made by Mark Marble, are not <laughs> <the musical. laughs> No, uh, that's. Uh, but that's. It's just like, you know, do I fight with you on it? No, that's yeah, not. No, really... no, because so, like, we should. We should. As, as a lesson to the world, we should be able to. We should be able to have differing opinions. And, and, and that's exactly how I view it. Like, I don't think we're gonna agree on this one. Uh, I'm just happy to see, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I already said it when I was talking about it. I'm just happy to see this family back. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what's coming. I can, I can see some of what you've said, as I've already mentioned, I, I, I've already mentioned everything. So <laughs> I, I just didn't, I just didn't want to sit here and have a fight with you on air or make it seem like I was trying to, you know, uh, convince you out of your opinion or you convince me out of mine, because as you just said, people can have differing opinions. So, yeah. So if we're uh, not back next week, then you know why. <laughs> we were we canceled. Can't have different opinions after all. One of us killed the other one. We, no, I just meant we were canceled because we didn't both oh. tell the lie. <laughs> gotcha. All right, so let's deal, let's deal with Zane. I'm, it's interesting when he talks about restarting the Green Lantern franchise, like compared to what? I'm not quite sure of the context in that. It's just, I mean, uh, I don't I don't think it. I don't think it really relies on the success of the HBO Max series, though, of course, if the HBO Max series is successful, depending on where they where they focus in on that, it could lead to more books and it could absolutely change the focal point of the books because we've seen this over and over again, a lot of times detrimentally that when a character gets hot or is or is in different different media, whether it's. Thanos or God shoot us all dark side that you see him everywhere or her everywhere for a period of time. So it's possible that the HBO Max series could influence what we see in the books. As far as restarting, I don't know how you're going to, I mean, it's probably never, it's obviously if DC has taught us everything, it's never too late to restart anything <laughs> or any kind of company. They will restart things. They will, you know, they will restart anything in the world that they think they could possibly get, get a successful run out of it. Uh, as far as for, from the Green Lantern, other now again, other than the Thorn series, like where do we think they're going to end up? Uh, I don't know what they're doing with the Justice with Justice Society. I am going to assume whatever they wherever they stick Justice Society in Infinite Frontier is where Alan Scott will show up. Not so much sure about Jade and Obsidian, even though we know theoretically they could try to throw Obsidian into 
Swamp Thing at some point, since we know he's in there in, in the future state aspect of it. Guy, I think we, we are going to see at least a little bit in the core book, in that Jeffrey Thorne book. Kyle, I have no idea. They they By writing a little blurb they wrote in the Infinite Frontier story, they gave you yet another reason for Kyle to be off the table because we don't know where the hell he is. Uh, as far as Hal, I don't... <laughs> I, we're probably not going to see Hal for a long time. And when he does, we know they're going to be pointing fingers at him. That's probably the easiest bet based on everything we saw in the Thorn stuff. And even though the Grant Morrison book did not really end in, on that on that point, because even though it seemed like an issue 11, they may have been heading towards that with the Guardians about to like give him a pink slip. It's still... I would still say you're not going to see Hal for a while. And if he shows up in the Thorn book next, it's probably not going to be overly positive. But So yeah. where do I see these things going? Uh, Alan, they haven't announced the JSA series yet. I think it's I think it's it's all but confirmed. And, it, and, and, I, and I say that there's not really even like any rumors or anything out there. It's just it's such a prevailing thought in fandom right now that we're going to get a JSA series that it's almost like a foregone conclusion at this point. Everybody's just assuming it's going to happen. Now, it's entirely possible it won't. But, um, I mean, I'm one of those people who's just like, there's got to be a JSA series before the end of the year. Like, whether it's a mini or uh, it's, you know it's prestige format and only three issues. Like who the hell knows uh, whether it's an ongoing, it's, I think everybody feels JSA is coming, especially with the JSA uh, world war two move uh, animated movie happening uh, too. We're getting some focus on JSA in other aspects. So, uh, you know, that just sort of feeds the fire. Um, So I think if we see Alan, we see him in JSA. Obviously we see him in infinite frontier, uh, proper moving forward i believe um i don't see anywhere else in current solicits at least current solicits as we record this it's the 15th um so that uh, indicates anything else uh i would uh, be safe to assume that jade and obsidian are showing up uh it'd be really cool to get an infinity ink series um but uh how where do i see how showing up um interestingly enough if he shows up anywhere, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him wherever Barry shows up. That's where I think we might see him. Um, Kyle. Kyle and Guy, I see possibly showing up in the Green Lantern proper series. Maybe. We'll see. Um, Kyle, I wouldn't be surprised if they went uh, the route of making him show up occasionally with Titans like they did not too long ago. That'd be cool. Um, but Otherwise, yeah, it's not looking too good uh, for him to show up. Is it too late to try and start the GL franchise? Does that franchise possibly hinge on the success of the HBO Max series? Yeah, uh, yes and no. Uh, I don't think the fr- the success of the franchise and or property hinges on HBO Max, but lots of lots of future stuff with Green Lantern hinges on HBO Max because, let's face it, if this thing crashes and burns, then uh, that's just going to be another 10 years that we don't get a uh, lantern in cinema or on our TV screen or more. Uh, so I don't know that it affects the comics uh, in so far as maybe we will we'll only get one series or something for a long, long time or 
you know, hey, it's happened in the past. He's, uh, Green Lantern was canceled at, uh, at one point and relegated to flashbackups. So who the hell knows? I did want to say one thing about it. Um, there's a rumor going around online resurfacing that the Zack Snyder cut is going to uh, tie in to the HBO Max series and that uh, somehow this uh, Snyder cut is going to uh, reboot the not reboot, but kind of re- reignite the Snyderverse and that uh, everything moving forward is going to be tied into it somehow. And we're going to keep going. And that's horseshit. Um, it's not going to happen, guys. Uh, there was an article posted by somebody called the Illuminati, and I'll tell you why. That's, <laughs> I'll tell you why that's funny in a second. Um, uh, and I'm quoting from this article: "It's possible that a unique Green Lantern trilogy, Zack Snyder's Justice League, Green Lantern on HBO Max, Green Lantern Corps, the movie, has taken shape in front of our eyes without anyone realizing it. Maybe we're just grasping at straws here, but the deeper we dig, the more it makes sense." The Snyder Cut is arguably the most hotly anticipated HBO Max original. Zack Snyder has already cast DC $2 billion stars in the way of Jason Momoa and Gal Gadot. Perhaps he could do the same with Green Lantern. The similarities between the Green Lantern movie and TV show are apparent. While the DCEU has yet to announce its TV show, there isn't any guarantee that the HBO Max DC series are set in the pre-existing continuity. It would make sense to do so, at least from a financial perspective, however. That movie would practically guarantee increased viewership for Warner Brothers premier streaming service. So with lots of things, right? <laughs> no, it's guys, HBO Max Green Lantern has nothing to do with Zack Snyder. Nothing announced has anything to do with Zack Snyder's Justice League movie. Sorry. You're lucky you got your Snyder cut. I was you just going to say, thank, thank, thank God that that movie is coming out in like th- in three days. So, so we don't, so They've already moved on, Mark. The release, the air cut is. <laughs> oh God, for this for Suicide Squad. Yeah. Yes. Uh, get... <sighs> Let it go. Uh, anyways, uh, regardless, um, it's not going to be connected. I don't care. Let it go. You got your Snyder cut. Jesus Christ. Sure, it's a four-hour movie. It, th- I'm going to watch it. I got HBO Max. I think Mark's going to watch it. Like who? Hell, I could come away loving it. And that is a big if I could come away absolutely adoring this, this edition of justice league. I don't care how much I enjoy it. I am telling you, there is no chance they're building off of the Snyder cut for their movie universe going forward. Not happening. Yeah. I would say that's a pretty safe bet. And if they do, it's going to be some bastardized version of it with flashpoint. Sorry. It's okay. I'm just so sick of these stupid rumors. Uh, and uh, oh yeah, I told you guys I'd tell you why the Illuminati um, is is uh, stupid. Um, the Illuminati recently posted some sort of an article about um, Adam Warlock and that casting had begun for Guardians of the Galaxy three. Uh, and uh, by uh, none other than uh, James Gunn himself. Did you see all that shit? I I saw some of your posts on it. I didn't actually see the original. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's see. Uh, Adam Warlock, James Gunn. But be succinct, though, Chad. Be succinct. Oh, I will. <laughs> uh, I don't know. So, yeah. So basically, the Illuminati posted this article 
and it got over to James Gunn. Uh, there is no casting underway for Volume 3, and in what world would I only cast a Caucasian if the character has gold skin? And if I wanted a Zac Efron type, wouldn't I go to Zac Efron? Where do you get this nonsense? And the Illuminati responded, we have seen James Gunn's response to our story about Adam Warlock's casting. We have no reason to believe he'd lie. Um, but we also have no reason not to believe our source. It's a hundred percent possible. Neither of us are lying. We respect him as a filmmaker. And if he says this isn't accurate, we believe him, but our information can be corroborated. And James Gunn responded, your information can't be corroborated because not a single part of it is true. And you may not be lying, but if not, whoever your source is definitely is update your story. (laughs) So not only did, did uh james gunn smack down he even kept up with the story and fired back at their retort <laughs> uh so yeah the illuminati is on the shit list in terms of one of those fake sites that just serve to rile up fandom and not help anybody or give anybody any information oh and one of the things we forgot to talk about by the way in terms of infinite frontier the alan scott story when Alan says, I've been fighting for so long, guided by my duty to use this incredible ring and these incredible powers to serve, that I've neglected a lot of myself. Look at his ring. Oh, yeah. Hold on. I've moved the issue away from me. I think I know what you're talking about because I actually did think I was pretty sure I noticed that when I read when I when I read the story. Yeah, it's a traditional Green Lantern ring. Yeah. Now. More I history of raped. I don't want to say it's wrong. Because Alan has appeared in a bunch of other stories um, in terms of like death metal and other sort of related things like a doomsday clock and, and stuff like that, that I'm not fully caught up on. So it's possible maybe somehow he has this ring or for some reason, I don't know. Um, but traditionally speaking, that's the wrong ring. Yeah, especially considering he's got essentially like the right symbol on his chest. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, but so otherwise, that's... I think that's all we got, huh? Yeah, I I I would say so. Um, so probably next week we will be aiming for what we're gonna do the you probably probably the Green Lantern unless we absolutely love the Snyder Cut so much we just can't wait to talk about it, <laughs> <laughs> which is not likely. But Chad and I are both in agreement. We're just glad that it's coming out. So it so it will have its moment in the sun for like a week or two, and then people can shut the fuck up about it. Um, yep. because again, this is not the movie you ever would have seen, even if he hadn't gotten kicked off at justice league. Cause this is a four hour cut. <laughs> Warner brothers wanted a two hour cut of the movie at the time. He was never getting more than a two and a half hour cut best, a two forty cut, maybe best case scenario, which means you get, you have at least like an hour, 10 hour, 20 of what crap we're going to see that never would have seen the light of day. Even if he had finished his original vision quote unquote of this it never would have seen this so this is not this may be the snyder cut and this be like like the wet dream he had if he could do anything he wanted but this was never the movie he was ever going to release into theaters yeah uh, uh, speaking of the specter did you get yours no you got yours already yeah mine came in the mail today go out and double check to make sure i wasn't left i know i wasn't at my front door when i got it's let's do us let's do a, I, it, I, do a did, tracking number did we did we talk about this on air I won't spend it. I won't spend it. No, it's all right. We can talk for uh, mine is mine is at my post office. It arrived today, so I should get it tomorrow. Gotcha. So, guys, uh, this is uh, convention season and it's still the pandemic. So uh, but convention season continues on. We have spring conventions. Spring convention is Emerald City Comic Con. We have summer convention. 
Obviously, that is San Diego. And we have Fall Convention, which is New York City Comic Con. Now, during this, as we've talked about on other uh, other shows in the past, Funko has their exclusives that come out. And there are Funko exclusives uh, in terms of stickers that you can only get these specific pops at the con. Same pop, same box, same everything. It's just a different sticker uh, to say, hey, I was at the convention. Um, And then we have the shared stickers, which appear uh, everywhere else in terms of places you can buy this stuff publicly. There are shared retailer exclusives. Um, So basically, they're convention exclusives. Some of them are only available on Funko.com. Others you can buy off Emerald, Emerald, uh, or sorry, uh, Entertainment Earth. Uh, you can go to Hot Topic, Pop in a Box, things like that. And those are the shared retailers, and they get the regular uh, Spring Convention limited edition exclusive sticker. In terms of DC this year, uh, there were two pops that came out. There was Dead Man, which was a Funko Shop exclusive, and there was Spectre, which was an Entertainment Earth shared retailer exclusive. I got both. Um, there's something going on with my dead man owner. Basically, I uh, the, there were there were two pops I ordered from from the Funko shop. Dead man, obviously, you guys know I love dead man. Uh, but also underdog. There was an underdog pop, uh, and uh, that was also a Funko shop exclusive. So I ordered both. That package arrived a couple of days ago, and underdog was in there, but dead man wasn't. Instead, I got the My Hero Academia pop that everybody fucking goes batshit crazy over, and that thing is already valued at like $120. Uh, so I guess I got lucky and got some trade bait So for future stuff if something become comes up that I really want and can't really get my hands on. So I got lucky in that one way. I contacted Funko. They gave me a refund for the price of Dead Man. I went over on Whatnot, an app that is built for the resale of Funko Pops and uh, trading cards and stuff like that. And bought a dead man. So that's already on my way to me. So I didn't miss out. But I also ordered the Spectre Pop from Entertainment Earth. And so did Mark. Uh, we both ordered this. Mine came today. It's a really cool looking pop, guys. Um, Spectre is, you know, just as you'd expect him, ghostly white. He's got the white glove or the green gloves, the green boots, the cloak, and the green trunks. Uh, and the diaper, Chad. The diaper. Yeah. <laughs> But what's really cool is Spectre, uh, the way the the pop stands is essentially on the cape. So he, the base of it is the the bottom of the cape, but the way the character is posed, it's like he's floating there. So it's really cool looking. The Um, The DC Direct Spectre figure, the first one, was like that. He just, he, the cape, it was a hard plastic cape, but basically he, the cape, if it would stand correctly, the cape is basically how it would stand. So, so he would basically would be hovering. Yeah. So what I don't like about this pop and Mark, I'm looking at it. What can you I'm sure you can tell. Okay, let me let me let me go. Let me go look at my let me go look at my specter here. (laughs) Don't don't just look at the pop. Look at its packaging, too. Chad says, look at the specter's package. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's wearing a diaper. It shouldn't take a lot. of. (laughs) It shouldn't take a whole lot of. uh, Hey, he's he's pre-sold out. Okay, so. Oh, the bat. Yeah, the Batman symbol. Yeah, I, I actually didn't. I did actually notice that before I pre-ordered it. So it's like that's kind of inappropriate. So, guys, it, it's no secret to any of you out there. I collect a lot of pops. I have a lot of them. I am looking at various things such as Black Canary and Huntress and Harley Quinn and Owl Man and the Batman Who Laughs, uh, Constantine, Hawk Girl, Clark Kent, Death, Red Hood. I've got Zatanna, 
Batwoman, Captain Adam, Black Adam, so on and so forth. You know what all those pops have in common? They have the D uh, between the number of the pop and then the pop logo in the corner. It says it's got the DC logo and says DC superheroes. Now, all of a sudden, this Spectre pop and the Dead Man pop, both between the the number of the pop, this one, uh, the Spectre is 380, and then the Pop Heroes symbol on the, on the corner has a big-ass Batman symbol on it. And then if you flip around the back, it still says DC Who Superheroes, but they stamped a big old bat symbol on the back of it underneath <laughs> that as well. Oh, and you know what? The Dead Man pop, exactly the same way. Spectre isn't a Batman character. You play it a certain way, go from certain stories. Jim Corrigan could have worked in the GCPD. So maybe that's a connection you could have made. Um, so very, very, very tangentially, maybe. Uh, Dead Man. I guess some stories where Boston brand circus went through Gotham. But uh, these aren't Batman characters. Why, why is I what I don't like about this? is what it feels like to me is that the bat symbol is becoming the DC symbol, which gives me all the more reason to lend credence to what I said earlier in this episode about, I actively try not to buy anything Batman universe or Gotham universe related in terms of the comic books, because I don't want to perpetuate the idea that all of it sells at DC is Batman. Now I'm a sucker. I had to get the Spectre pop. I had to get the Dead Man pop because I want more DC characters obscure. And who in the world would have ever thought they would do Spectre or Dead Man pops? Every time they come out with a new DC related pop, I'm like, really? They did that? That is so interesting. Uh, and I just want to basically put my money where my mouth is and says, yes, give me more. Um because maybe I'll get a Ragman pop someday or a Jade pop or a freaking, I don't, I don't know, uh, whatever. Uh, but like, it's starting to bug me that the bat symbol is becoming the new DC symbol in lots of ways. Well, it also seems like they're lazy and they just can't come up with a general DC symbol for anything that doesn't fall into their own, into a natural grouping. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, just, Gives you more more of the excuse to open it, Chad. Then you don't have to look at the box anymore. <laughs> I can't I can't can't everything else is boxed. I can't do that. Oh god. Right. I don't know. I didn't. They're, they're, regardless, both Dead Man. You saw the the photo for Dead Man at the very least. Yes. Both Dead Man and Spectre pops are really cool looking. Yes, they are. They are both cool. So, um, yeah. Is it is it gone on Entertainment Earth? Are they, are they it's a pre, the pre-order is sold out for. I know the Dead Man sold out on Funko.com, yeah. but you can still get it aftermarket for twenty five, thirty bucks. Yeah, the Spectre is now pre-sold out. Alrighty. Well, if people want to reach out to us about Infinite Frontier, if they couldn't get their thoughts in like Zane did, how do they do so? Lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. You can reach out and find us on Twitter and Facebook. Use hashtag GLCast to track us down there. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Whichever platform or platforms you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. And last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail or text, 708-LANTERN. 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.